what a day that Friday was many, many years ago. Most of you know about the crucifixion and the gruesomeness of that day. Just a few moments ago, we heard the sounds and saw some visual images of a depiction of what took place that day. I mean, having been whipped with a cat of nine tails with, with all kinds of rocks and sharp metals on the edge of that as they rip the back off and the flesh off of our Savior. Thirty-nine times they whipped him. The six grueling hours that he was nailed to that cross while people mocked him, spit at him. You can imagine the sheer horror and dismay of his disciples who had followed him for several years but now watching who they thought would be the redeemer and take over a political movement over the Roman Empire now being crucified as a criminal. You can imagine the pain that Mary was experiencing in that moment. Unmatched with the birth pain that she had. Unmatched with various uh, troubles throughout life when people were uh, ridiculing her son and, and, and she had to sit on the sidelines and could do nothing to protect him. The mocking and the jeering of the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and, and those who just days before would say, Hosanna, and now celebrating his death. The dialogue between the two criminals as they, one was cursing him, the other seeing something unique about Christ and willing to say, I, I want to be with you. And Jesus promised him, today you'll be with me in paradise. There has never been, nor will there ever be, a more significant moment in history than that moment that Jesus was nailed to the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, nailed to a cross outside of Jerusalem, was a, a time-splitting event. Nothing would be the same. On the video a moment ago, you saw some nails. I have one very similar here. What do you think about when you think of a nine-inch nail? This isn't quite nine inches. This is a seven-inch nail. But nine-inch nail, very crude, nothing beautiful about it in its own right. When Jennifer and I lived in Texas many years ago, and I was on staff at a, a fairly large church, we had hundreds of teenagers, and she and I uh, was working in the, the youth ministry there. We had so many, chill, uh, so many teenagers, there were different kinds of teenagers. We had smart kids, they were known as the geeks. There were cowboys in that day known as the ropers, that's what they wore. There were long-haired, hard rock music lovers, they called themselves the freaks. There were the athletes known as the jocks, and there were other extreme groups with names I can't quite remember. 
They all had labels. They all had different identities. And, and Jennifer and I were kind of drawn to a particular group to help because they were always on the friend, the outside. You know, the, the, the black clothes, the black nails, the mohawks, the purple hair. And one particular uh, brother, sister that I'll never forget was Tracy and Tomas. That's how he pronounced it. And we'd talk with them because nobody else would. When the youth groups were playing games, they just sat. They could care less. And we'd just go sit with them and talk with them. And, you know, one way to get to a conversation going is just ask them about their music. I said, what, what are you into? I mean, I listen to country music, so I know we're not in the same realm. But what, what do you listen to? And, and one group they, you know, got real excited about telling us about was this group called Nine Inch Nails. Perhaps some of you remember Hate to do a hand rise, raise. We might have some senior adults go, yeah, man, I rock out to that stuff. I don't know. But Nine Inch Nails, and I said, well, tell me about them. And, and certainly, they, they, they were a unique group, and they had taken the picture of Christ, Nine Inch Nails, and attached it to their, their name and their identity. And that one particular song, and I, I, literally, I, I've never really listened to this group. I'd never heard of them before that conversation. Um, we didn't have YouTube back then, so I couldn't just, you know, look it up or do a Spotify. But, but uh, they would tell me, and I, I remember one particular song. Tracy says, oh, this is my favorite song right now. It was called Terrible Lie. Let me just read you some of the lyrics. I really don't know what you mean. Seems like salvation comes only in our dreams. I feel my hatred grow all the more extreme. Hey, God... Can this world really be as sad as it seems? And then it would repeat, terrible lie, terrible lie, terrible lie. And then it goes on. It says, why are you doing this to me? Am I not living up to what I'm supposed to be? Why am I seething with this animosity? Hey, God. Thank you, owe me a great big apology. As I'm standing here right now, I'm thinking of Tracy. I'm thinking of Tomas. Even as representatives of so much in our world who look at God and say he's lied. The church says that God loves us. The church says that, that uh, God is great. And we just don't see that in the church and we don't see this in the world. And I think of that Friday, the disciples who were following Jesus, and I wonder if they too were struggling going, it's all come down to this? The death of, of God? The death of our Messiah? What is this supposed to mean? The hopelessness? Peter, who was denying he even knew Christ? Just for a brief moment, I want not the Nine Inch Nail band to determine how we think or what Christ was doing on that cross. I just want to, for a brief moment, redeem the name back from an, a band who brings you to nothingness and hopelessness back to the God who allowed a Nine Inch Nail to go through his flesh 
for us and let him say some things to us. I want to give you nine statements that I believe Christ says to us through this nail. The first one is this. I love you. The reason why he took this this nail, because he's saying, I love you. You may be thinking, there are 8 billion people in the world. How can God even know me? But God knows you by name. And it doesn't matter if there were 50 trillion people in the world. He would know you and say, I love you. In Isaiah 43, it says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. In Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love you. The second inch of that nail is where he says, Yes, I will go to the cross for you. In Philippians 2.8, and being found in, the, in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In John chapter 10, verse 19, uh, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. When he speaks to us through this nail, he not only says, I love you, he says, yes, I'm willing to go all the way to the cross for you. The third thing I think he says in, in taking this cross, the third inch of that nail is it hurts. Certainly it hurt physically to go to the cross, be crucified. He felt every inch, every, every pounding of the nail, every, every ripping of his flesh. It hurts physically, but it also hurt relationally for you and I to be separated from God. It hurt the Father to be separated and something had to be done. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, But He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. In Isaiah 53, verse 10, it says, Yet it was the will of the Father to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. The fourth inch of that nail, he's saying, I keep my promises. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Promised back in the Old Testament, God always keeps His promises. The fifth inch of that nine-inch nail is this, I am innocent but I'll die for your guilt. 
In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He is innocent when he goes to the cross. In Hebrews 9, 15, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. The sixth inch of this nail. You are guilty, but can receive my innocence. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He has made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him the guilty might become the righteousness of God. The seventh inch of that nail is, It is finished. John 19, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The eighth inch of this nine-inch nail is, I give you purpose and value. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I give you purpose, and I give you value. And the last inch, the last bold statement I believe Jesus is saying to us is eternal life starts now. In Ephesians chapter 1, he boldly proclaims, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter chapter 3, for God so loved the world, That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have. Not just futures, now you can have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know, that grueling six hours when Jesus was enduring this, there was a centurion standing there who had watched this and you can only imagine what Satan was thinking during this entire time yes I got him yes he's going to the grave yes I've conquered and defeated the son of God but somebody heard these statements prior somebody heard these statements who could understand what Christ was doing In Mark, one of the most precious verses to me in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 15, verse 39, And when the centurion 
who stood there facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last. And I consider the centurion who how many times had he seen a crucifixion? How many times had he risen up the, the, the hammer and nailed a criminal to a cross? How many times has he heard the, the, the shrieking of the crowds? How many times has he watched criminals who deserve to die sit there and say, oh, I'm innocent, let me go. How many times has he observed this and he's just going through the the duty of his job and then this day there was something so unique something so different about this man he was watching he was observing he was listening and I believe he heard every statement Jesus said and things that he is saying to us tonight I don't want you to miss it because the centurion who had been through this hundreds if not thousands of times watched Christ And he said this, as he stood there, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Which was a death blow. There's a celebration of of Satan. Satan thought he had him. And the disciples hadn't gotten it yet. They're not going to see the risen Lord for a couple of days. But this man stood there and watched Jesus die. And he confessed And turned his heart over to Christ. Not on Resurrection Sunday. But on Good Friday. He said this was God. I pray for every person here tonight. To understand this is not a ceremony. This is not tradition. We are worshiping the Son of God. When we think about Good Friday and a nail that went through his his arms. This was God who took upon himself our sin. A death blow to Satan. A death blow to sin that's been paid for. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to listen to those statements again that Christ is saying to you. I love you. Yes, I will go to the cross for you. It hurts. But I keep my promises. I am innocent, but will die for your guilt. You are guilty, but you can receive my innocence. It is finished. I give you purpose and value. Eternal life starts now.